Thank you for joining me on YRF, Your Real Frequency Podcast. My name is Evan Morin, and I'm honored you're spending this time with me and my guest. I'm always amazed at our reach, being heard on six continents and 25 countries now, and I want to hear from everybody. I'd love to hear how you related to my guest, or maybe you'll be inclined to share your story to inspire others. Also, share this podcast with anyone you think would benefit. It's an ongoing theme in YRF's episodes that uh, one of the most valuable gifts you can give to another is being open to share your story with them. And within that, it gives them a chance to relate, no matter how vulnerable it makes you. Uh, my guest today is uh, incredibly generous with his time and his story and his vulnerability. He's been on top of the world as MVP of Super Bowl Twenty Six and seen the depths of despair with mental battles and life circumstances that would derail even the strongest among us. We talk about his career and what led to behavior indicative of CTE diagnosis, but most importantly, the help that followed. And it is in that help that's allowed him to live on and share his story to help others. Please enjoy my conversation with Mark Rippon. The biggest hit I ever took was not by a player. It was a push by a player in a WSU spring football game, the gray, crimson and gray game. Mm. And just before halftime, I uh, kind of rolled out and threw a Hail Mary because it was like two seconds left. And as I threw it, the guy shoved it, shoved me, and I was watching the ball go through the air to our receiver in the end zone. And my first thing it hit was my head. And not a lot of people realize is that back in, I guess, 1983, 82 or 83 spring game, the uh, field down in Pullman was at artificial turf, mm. but it was about two years after Mount St. Helens erupted. So Mount St. Helens put this ash on top of the turf and they try to clear it off as much as they possible. But when rain gets, it was like, basically it was a mixture for concrete, you know, oh and our field gosh. was so hard. And so first thing I hit was my head. And I remember getting up and just, whoa, we're, what's going on here? And I'd see the rest of the team running in at halftime, talk about different strategies for the second half. And so I ran in with the team. Next thing you know, I'm up on campus, full uniform with my uh, helmet on. And a student goes, excuse me, what are you doing? They go, I'm looking for Dr. Jackson's class. He was one of my uh, teachers. And they go, oh, no. So they found somebody that came and got me, and Mark Smaha made sure that I got home that night. And wow. if any, anything further evolved, uh, to give him a call. But it was a scary situation on a very innocent play. I was just kind of watching things, and it was so surreal. It was almost like slow motion. You know, I got pushed. It wasn't like I got really hit helmet to helmet or anything like that. It was just a freak thing. And Were you in a dream state? Is that, yeah, what, is yeah. that what's I was kind of, kind of, of yeah. Like? Yeah, I was kind of in a, I wasn't knocked out. Yeah. Um, I just kind of ran in and was just, I don't know. I don't know what was going through. Really, I, can't, couldn't, sure. I couldn't explain why I'm on campus in full uniform with my helmet on yeah. and then asking a student, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure, where's Dr. Jackson's class? I knew where Dr. Jackson's class was, but sure. so there's certain things that just weren't. Uh, You're an autopilot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I, now I can't, can't tell you how many times that happened in, in high school, you know, mm. where you just kind of shake the cobwebs out. Right. Nothing that I can recall any certain play or anything like that, just a lot of times when you get hit in, in a pile, you kind of get out of there and you kind of shake your shake it off. And I remember some trainers coming, uh, you know, coming over to the sidelines, going how many fingers, and they they put up two, and I I go three. And they got close enough, you know, get, <laughs> close enough. Get, get, get back, back out in there. there, yeah, get back in there. We need you. We yeah. need this next score for yeah. God's sakes. Yeah. So um, was that your first notable concussion? That was my first notable one. I mean, there's sub concussive hits that I that I took. You know that they're they're talking about now. It's not necessarily it's accumulation of sub concussive hits. Maybe the ones that you don't really are relating to that, hmm. that causes. And I don't, I, to me, to be honest with you, I don't know how running backs and linebackers, because every single time that they're hit tackling and hitting, they're, they're like in a car wreck, you know, every single, every single their head, you know, their head, they, they try to keep their head up, but it's usually the side of their helmets that's getting hit, the butt of their helmets getting hit. And it's just, uh, for me, it was, I'm not, wasn't acclimated to it. So that was the first thing that when I hit my head, um, that I can recall. And then the other one was in Minnesota playoff game. Now, again, there's a multiple, multiple instances where I, that you come to the sideline and you just kind of shake your cobwebs out and then you're, then you feel okay. Okay. Enough to go back in and you don't re, uh, not remember what you happened, you know, and, mm -hmm. but the one in Minnesota, I, I really had no idea. I mean, I, um, for like a three minute time 
frame. And it was the weirdest thing ever because we're driving. It's against Tony Dungy's defense and, and the Vikings and uh, Dennis Green's team. And we just won the Super Bowl the year before. And we're going back into Minneapolis to play where we'd won the Super Bowl the previous year at a playoff game against the Vikings. And we're last drive going down for the game-winning field goal. Scrambled, got away, and wanted to get to the right hash, and for the called kicker. timeout. For and the then, kicker, well, yeah. that, then the next we called time. We had two timeouts left, so I ran. We called timeout because we want to run one more play to the left hash. Call timeout and they kick the field goal with like three seconds left because you wanted your kicker Chip Loma, who's from Minnesota, by the way, huh. um, to kick from the left hash. That's right-footed kicker always okay. like the left hash. So, but I scrambled out and got uh, got a first down because I think it was second and like seven got. Somehow got eight yards for me in a scramble. That was like a minor miracle. Got hit and tackled, and it didn't seem like much. Called timeout to the official. Then kind of got up and went to the sidelines, talked to Joe Gibbs, and Joe Gibbs says, okay, we're going to run 50 gut, which for us is a play we probably run uh, 15, 20 times every game, 40 or 50 gut, depending on which way. We want to run it to the left. All our plays were odd, were to the left, even were to the right. So – we ran trips, trips left. He said, let's go trips left, fake motion, 50 gut. We'll get on the left hash and we'll kick the field goal. And I go, I don't know, now I'm thinking about my plays at Washington State where rump turn option, 16, 17, 28, 29, different than the 50 and 40 and, right. you know. And uh, I go, coach, we, we, we don't have that play. He looks at me, what? We, we, we don't have that play. Mark, we run this play all the time. And then but he calls Bubba Tire over, and Bubba says, you okay? I go, yeah, yeah. I, oh, oh, 50, yeah. Then it came to me. Uh. For about, I don't know, 30 seconds to, to a minute, I didn't know kind of exactly where I was. I knew I was playing football. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what <laughs> what system I was in because, you, you know, yeah, yeah. In, in Minnesota in or Washington? Minnesota or Washington State. And, mm-hmm. and um, so those are the two that stick out, and the two to me that are – Obvious, not knockout concussions, but as, as we all know, our brains like Jello, right. you know. And, and when you take a hit and anything in life, your soccer ball or or whatever, your brain is just splashing around in there like Jello. And over a period of time, all these athletes that have played this game and who understand now much more than we did before about these subconcussive hits we had and not really giving our brains enough time to heal. I think the NFL and college football and high school football and youth football are doing a much better job at having less contact during the week in practice, playing the game itself, and then giving your brain a week to heal to the following game. And I think that's what they've evolved to because there's no way you can take out the amount of physical impact that football and rugby and some of those sports have. Right. So concussion protocol, I'm sure people are aware of the heads-up coaching, which they're very focused uh, and, and trained on how to hit when you're in football. And I, I just know this, my oldest son, he's um, 12 going on 13, he's a big kid, smart kid, uh, he's got great hands, he'll be playing receiver, and he has played receiver, but he wants to play tackle football. We have weighed our options. I played tackle football in high school. I certainly wasn't good enough to go on to college, but I can remember some pretty gnarly hits. And, um, and I remember my quarterback taking some pretty gnarly hits to, to the point where he wouldn't remember the end of games, but he would, again, be on autopilot and be throwing the ball. We talked to him at a party after, and he said, I don't remember the last four minutes of that game. You know, that was in the late 90s, and it just didn't have the wherewithal, I think, nor nor the supportive equipment that you just talked about yeah. for our kids. Yeah. Which brings me to my next question. I don't want to jump ahead too much, but um, my son, uh, Pop Warner didn't happen this year because of COVID. We had him all signed up, and he was really excited to go go forward with it. He's played, he's played uh, flag, and then, of course, he's, sure. he's played tackle. If you were in my position, 12-year-old boy, Smart kid, athletic. Would you have him play football? No, absolutely not. I would not allow children that brains are still growing. At, I mean, all the way till they're probably what's the maturation of a brain is like twenty one years old. Yeah. But kids are going to be kids, or you know. But if we can eliminate tackle football till they get to like at least high high school, ninth grade, mm. teach them the 
X's and O's of the game through flag and it that doesn't flag football by the way doesn't necessarily mean they won't collide and something will happen but it just eliminates a lot of the impact that you're going to have during practices and games and especially at the the youth level um, when you're giving kids that are eight years old and one kid's 75 pounds another kid's 120 pounds let's just think about physics <laughs> you know yeah. uh, mass versus not much so much mass and what it can do to a young kid and you watch these coaches teaching this oh you know jumping up and down on the sidelines after a kid just smears a little kid i just think of the, like what are we teaching our our kids you know are we teaching them the x's and o's are we teaching them that um the more we can intimidate at a young age is, is going to be uh, healthy and beneficial to these kids later on i don't think so i think you're teaching a, a, a barbaric state at, at, at that level and once we get to the high school level, these kids now at least have the uh, understanding of techniques to run routes, techniques to throw footballs, techniques to at least have your body in a position to block someone. You're not actually blocking someone, but you're doing it in a manner that you understand and you're being coached um, at, at a young age the right techniques, the right things that are going to allow you to be successful when it does get to high school and you're going to play on the, uh, the freshman team, the JV or the varsity and then you're going to be put in situations where you're doing the same thing as you did when you're um, playing uh, flag football, but now you're doing it in practices and your walkthroughs, and you don't necessarily need to have physical contact where you – Joe Gibbs is a, um, a big component about his – our practices were always in full gear because he wanted to have a fit, you know. He didn't want to have us – you know, knocking each other you off the pounding ball. Each no, other but he wanted a fit. Injury. And you can do the same thing yeah. in pads at practice without the, the, the contact. And mm -hmm. I think that's what it comes down to. And is the caliber of football going to change a little bit? It might. And I think that that's the next level. You're never going to eliminate the physical structure of the game of football. It's going to always be violent. It's always going to be um, earth-shattering hits at times, you know, mm -hmm. but – Legal hits, not helmet-to-helmet -helmet hits. Would you say you know? that? Yep. Sure, there's legal hits and then illegal hits, but illegal hits still happen. Oh, yeah. There's no <laughs> doubt. And it's broadcast. It's uh, You see them on ESPN and the replays over and over again. Over again. Here's an illegal hit by a Browns player, and they just show it uh, in slow-mo over and over and over again. Although it's illegal and although they're trying to eradicate that type of physicality, it's, we're still seeing it. We're still exposed to it. Yeah, and there's no possible way you can do that within the t tackles. Yeah. You can't It's a fraction say, of a second. Yeah, you can't say that a running back going full speed downhill <laughs> and a linebacker coming full speed to tackle him, that you're going to try to get a perfect you know, head in front, shoulder <laughs> tackle. It's going to happen. There's going to be collisions like that. Right. They want to take away the ones in the middle of the field where you know players are defenseless yes you right. know and, sure, and, sure. And, and 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 i get that yeah but what we're gonna what this is going to evolve to is lower leg extremities are going to you're going to uh, get injuries on in lower leg extremities yeah. because now the target is going to be sure lower so yeah. i mean you're going to eliminate one thing and you're going to get a totally you know different orthopedic surgeons are going to be in high demand you know, because <laughs> of this and Jeez. and uh so yeah it's it's every at least to try to do everything much like covid try to do everything you can to keep our economy and our schools and everything restaurants and open you know at a safe as safe as possible so if you take those extremes of course we're going to have you know certain things happen that we don't know or we couldn't imagine happened like in in football you can do all you possibly can to eliminate these um defenseless players being hit but there are going to be times where it just happens. Two guys are going to yeah. come across, and one guy's going to be going for the ball, the defender, and the receiver's going to try to come in there. They're going to hit, right. you know, and that's it's inevitable. That's inevitable, yeah. Many people say, well, they understood that while they signed up for this game. They're voluntary participants in all of this. As much as you want to say it, and if I had to do it again, knowing everything I know, I'd probably play. Sure. You know, I'd, I'd take – hopefully our coaches would take the precautions that they're going to take and, yeah. and use those precautions to help us make sure that we're going to eliminate these massive subconcussive hits during practice yeah. and try to eliminate them during the course of a game, which is, like you said, inevitable. That it's, right. You can't do that. I mean, you can't right. structure things in, in a way that uh, uh, that's not going to happen. But college football really – um, is the one thing that universities 
look at for their economic, um, you know, balance sheet, you know, and stability, and stability sure. to keep the university. So what happens if we don't have that, you know, or right. we're going to come in with <laughs> another $2 trillion bailout of universities, you know, schools. And, yeah. and, uh, I, I don't, I don't have those, the answers to those questions, uh, the football <laughs> ones, I have some, um, answers to, to help. And I, and I think, uh, yeah. you know, kids at 13, 14 years old playing, full-fledged junior national call or junior football and you know, I, I'm not a big 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 fan of that it pains me to hear that it pains me because we are such a football family and oh, I grew yeah. up a football family my father went to the University of Notre Dame um, that's how we know Jim Snowden that's how, <laughs> yeah. there's just yeah. so many I mean and he was he's obsessed he, I'm sure you know the Irish fans are, oh, yeah. are, are bonkers yeah we all know we all know, we all know um, Ryan Gee is, was, yeah. a, was a leprechaun he's a local yeah. guy he's a, yeah. Yeah, he was he was a leprechaun oh we'll Notre give him a Day. shout out to yeah, Ryan yeah, Gee absolutely Ryan no. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Saturdays were reserved for football I, I you know really growing up I grew up in New England you know, of course, the Patriots were there, and in in the eighties and early nineties, there were things still. Gro- Grogan, Randy Vitaha were some of my favorites. You know, <laughs> is that there. right? Yeah, yeah. That was back in the day where, if you were a quarterback, and Dave when I played, you were quarterback. There was no three feet. Mm. Hold your hands up. There the Tom was, Brady rule. There was yes. There was throw the football. One thousand one. Watch the football. One thousand two. Have your receiver catch the football, and then just as a quarterback, get waylaid by some guy about two seconds afterwards. Wow. And if they did catch you and they you know, picked you up and threw you to the ground, thank goodness I was a big fella. It was a little harder for mm-hmm. them to throw me to the ground like a rag doll. But some guys, you know, got some very, very serious injuries from, um, you know, I would now would be not only late hit, but it'd also be a fine and, mm-hmm. and a lot of things that uh, they're trying to eliminate, you know. So the, the Washington Post had said you weren't the most mobile Yep. (laughs) They said, you know, you had a strong arm, but you were tough as nails and you were smart. Yeah. And that's what got you going. Well, the other thing, too, is that they said, and even I just saw my college coach yesterday and a couple guys that we went out for dinner in in Coeur d'Alene, Jim Walden, Charlie Flager, um, guys that offensive linemen. John Dreyer came in from Chicago, and we just got together up in Coeur d'Alene with uh, Pat Lynch, who's an orthopedic surgeon here, too, played on that, that. um, a football team and I was there, the Holiday Bowl team, and great group of guys. Anyhow, we were, we, we, you know, we were talking about you know certain things that that coaches you know bring up, and I can remember Coach Walden, Coach Gibbs doing the same, saying the same thing. You know, if you watch market practice, I mean, gosh, you didn't even know if, he, if this guy was what, what was he going to do. I wasn't the greatest practice player. I became a good practice player when I got to the Redskins later on, uh, you know, I mean, second or third year in my career. I worked really hard yeah. at um, some of my skill set with Jerry Rome, who's our uh, quarterback coach and runner-up to the Heisman when he was at Tulsa. And Jerry worked with me individually my first couple of years when I was on injured reserve on the field next to me, working on all sorts of passes, routes, this, that, and scrambling, throwing on the run, you know. Joe Gibbs loved that I – I, I could throw on the run in Washington State. You had to throw on the run because sure. you know we you couldn't we, we were too small in the in between tackles to sit there and, mm. and couldn't recruit thousand, the big, thousand, big big boys, big, big yeah. boys to sit there. So we right. had to move the pocket, you know, and get, mm. and get out there. So that was a great thing. But um, just remember practices were oh, especially at Washington State. Coach Walden would say, "Man, he would talk to his." Offensive coach is going, really? Should we actually play Rip this week? <laughs> Did you see where he's throwing the ball? He's, he may be the only guy that could overthrow Noriega. You know? <laughs> so you're going it to was an office end. Standing. Yeah, so anyways, uh, uh, so that was a you know kind of a, a, a take, you know, and, and I wasn't mobile, you know. Right. Uh, I did have a you know a, a good arm, and we, th- we threw the deep balls about as good as any other team, but that, that had a lot to do with a lot of things we did. Um, philosophy wise, running the football helps, you know, and bringing safeties up and being able to get guys like Art Monk, Ricky Sanders and, and Gary Clark over the top. Well, we've talked about hits on the field. I want to get into hits you've taken off the field. You've had a couple public incidents yourself, uh, that we've, we've seen, we've been exposed to. And, and, um, I'd love to hear your take on it and where exactly you are mentally, what this sport has done to you. Uh, physically and how you're paying for it after your career well I think first of all we can talk about the um, what football has done for myself and created great opportunities great things you know with foundation helping uh, 
if I don't win the Super Bowl, if we, uh, you know, we don't, we don't win the Super Bowl at 1991, 92, it doesn't open doors for other things in life that mm-hmm. happens. And to be able to, to, um, and we'll talk a little bit later, I think about, uh, Andrew and, yeah. and the Ripon Foundation and what we um, ended up doing of course, and the great success. And, but that success comes from, uh, opening doors and playing football, opened those doors, you know, being a local guy helped coming back to Spokane and, and doing those things. Uh, you know, throughout my foot pro football career and into my retirement, um, yeah, and my my son's uh, death, especially there afterwards, uh, I had already was experiencing some some things that weren't good, um, things that I'm not I'm I'm not proud of, never was proud of, things that I have been able to overcome um, because of some some great help that we'll talk about here in a little bit, right. but um, there was definitely a dark side. I think um, uh, a dark side from the, the, the depression that mm. comes from from football, from hits, from uh, supposedly early chronic traumatic encephalopathies. <laughs> I can't even pronounce and you it. You didn't even really know that that no, was going that, on. No, that's time. happening. I which, know that I'm doing tragedy I, in and of itself. Yeah, I know that I'm being involved in things that aren't good, and I don't know why. And, and um, uh, even to a point where, you know, it, it got so dark. I, I honestly didn't know if I was going to make it, um, until I got help. And, and I did get some great help. I did have some great people supporting me. And I think it's important that, um, we understand that as successful and as people are, doesn't clear them from a life that is just perfect and no. beautiful you know no absolutely not. and um so yeah I've, it might I've, even magnify yeah the issues exactly That's because um, a lot of people will like turn their head and not you know so, so i know notice this is happening i notice that mm-hmm. so instead of coming in and helping someone that needs help and i don't want to go into the dark details of it other than you know there i did things that were compromised myself my own health my family's and everyone else's and i did find that i needed help and I needed help from professionals that could give me that and family members and, and support differently than pat me on the back, say, oh, it's, it's okay. You know, you've, you've uh, had brain injury. Yeah, okay, well, a lot of people have had brain injury, TBIs, and, and they also need help. I was looking for one a day. I want to take a moment and talk about Real Frequency, my college and career consulting company. As a college administrator, I saw the difficulty admissions, school selection, cost of college, and career path choice presented to so many families, translating to unnecessary stress on parents and students, so much so that it affects their relationship. I love my company because at Real Frequency, we are specialists in easing this stress, getting students and families across the nation into universities and colleges that lead them to success. We do this by holding students accountable, so uh, parents, you do not have to. We work with them weekly on essay compilation assistance, scholarship applications, deadline reminders, and we research their desired career path to be sure it is truly something they want to do, can do, and of course, at the end, make money doing it. We even assist in obtaining internships in the career they are interested in, just to be sure. Here's the facts. Two million students, some very well adept, drop out of college every year. Real Frequency is here to serve you so the loss of time, money, and heartache are not a part of your story. We offer many benefits that all lead to less stress, saving money, and a plan that gets the results you and your student strive for. We guarantee it. Find out what your student's frequency is at wirefco.com. Fill out a contact form by answering a few simple questions on the homepage, and, and we'll reach out to schedule a free consultation. Again, that's wirefco.com, wirefco.com. good friend of mine, Andrew Marr, who's a Green Beret, and we still communicate with each other because I think it's important that you find like people. And he was the head of the uh, Green Beret, he was head of the, the bomb squad in Afghanistan. And he was the guy that would go in and all these explosions would happen. God, and his life is this 
my what I've what's happened and what he's gone through is mine is very small. This this gentleman has gone through the worst of the worst, and there is a um, a TED talk called "Defined by Action," right. and I recommend that to anyone that wants to watch it about somebody that has been to the brink of losing everything he possibly had, losing his own life, losing his family, losing his friends, to getting treatment and therapy from these individuals we'll talk about in a little bit yeah. um, and I'm sure him through in the context of what you're saying is losing family losing his friends isn't on the battlefield it's probably has more to do with when he got home absolutely right absolutely after the fact you know yeah. um, when well, he was on so. the battlefield he there he was in uniform he was that was his team that he's dealing with and he had to you know bring himself every, each and every day to watch things that none of us any of us here would, could even remotely imagine happen, couldn't even fathom it. And he did that on a daily basis because that was his job. That's mm -hmm. what he did. Then when he came back and, you know, I, I, I can't even imagine what he's thinking when he's sleeping and maybe not sleeping and, and um, just hearing something that reminisces of something that he had to go through in Afghanistan and to snap in a heartbeat like that to where he's at now and the amount of veterans that he's helping mm. and his foundation is helping um, him and his brother, Adam, who's also a, uh, a serviceman, um, who's a pilot. And, and you can look, I, I encourage people to look both Adam and Andrew Marr up. They are incredible human beings that are doing so many things for our veterans, helping so many veterans. Great. We sit here today and 21 veterans will com commit suicide today. Unbelievable. I mean, you think about that. Mm. Men and women that allow us to do the things that we're able to do in our lives, the freedoms that we have to, to, to play sports, to um, hug our grandchildren. Um, they can't come back from what they've seen, what they've been a part of, in order to keep here on this, on this earth here today. Mm. And uh, I, I had suicidal thoughts, and I actually, when, at one point in time, uh, try to take my life and um and it's a dark dark place and i was in a in a dark dark place but i got some some very good help from some when very was good that? people that was um i think 10 years ago mm. yeah my daughter was granddaughter i was actually with my granddaughter at home and my daughter went out for her birthday with a bunch of friends and i and i was babysitting my my own grandchild and it mm. was very very very, very sad. And Darkest dark time. of the dark. Yep. And, and desperation. Uh, yeah, um, I did. I did. I did. Uh, luckily, I called my wife and uh, at the time, and she she rushed home. She was out with friends too, thinking, you know, nothing's happened. I mean, there was no indication. There was nothing uh, that they could attest to that says, "Oh, I, I need to stay home that day." It was other just life was too much, yeah. and and the things that I was dealing with mentally. Um, and I never, ever in my life ever take took any medication. You know, I, I say I'm, I'm one of these, you know, guys that are macho guys. I'm not going to take this. I I can Straight I can edge, overcome yeah. it myself. You know, <laughs> no, we all need help, yeah. and we all need to reach out for help. And anyone out there yeah. that, that is going through some some very difficult and dark times, please reach out for help. I mean, it's uh, it's imperative. And I've mm. been able to come into contact with some of the best people, and I'll share that with. Uh, with you and, and our amazing. listeners to, to, uh, that they're, they're not alone. Yeah. And we'll, so. we'll promote and post Andrew Marr and, um, and yeah, his, his TED talk and, and Adam, by yeah, action yeah, for sure. Yeah. And they have a foundation too. Oh, they do. Yeah, What's the foundation? Um, Warrior Angels Foundation. Okay. Both, uh, Andrew and Adam are part of our health team or my team, our team of, you know, kind of keeping, keeping each other on, uh, on the straight path of, of doing yeah. well. So he's been part of that for a couple of years now and just to, Wow. So you reach out to each other. Yeah. Great. Yep. That's kind of like I'm in uh, recovering alcoholic and I have my exactly. sponsor and, and can reach out at any time with anything. And it doesn't necessarily have to be alcohol related. Nope. Or in your case, I'm sure it doesn't have to be um, mental health related. It could be like anything you're going it, through. Man, I'm it's having the hardest not. time dealing with this Absolutely. So and so. Yep. What the hell do I do? Can you give me some perspective? Am I totally 
fucking wrong here? And then he'll be able to talk you down. Exactly. Mental health issues to obviously alcohol addiction to most of our servicemen and women, drug addiction. Absolutely. When they come back or are, are there and, and will always be there, you know, yeah. just or sex addiction. You know, I mean, there's yeah. there's a myriad of things that, that people are going through that we're all recovering yeah. You know, well, it's a symptom of the sickness. Yes. Is that alcoholism, exactly. drug abuse, sex abuse, uh, gambling, <laughs> impulsive shopping, sugar, food, whatever. Yeah. And it leads to other things, domestic violence to Absolutely. Um, harming others, you know. Yeah. And uh, that's the scariest, I think. And I want to touch upon that a little bit. Sure. Um, I want to go back real quick. When did you start really seeing that there was a problem? Because everything was on track for you. You met your wife because of football. Um, you won a Super Bowl, Super Bowl 26 against the Bills. Yep. You played phenomenally. We're like, man, Mark Rippon's on high right now. Yeah. Unfortunately, coming up on the 22-year anniversary of, of Andrew's passing, mm-hmm. was it around that time that you, I mean, I can't even imagine what you were dealing with with these head injuries. You weren't even aware you were sustaining and was changing your ability to, to be cognitive and understand yeah. things. And and I'm not even going to pretend to be able to sympathize what it's like to lose a child. Yeah. Well, I, just, I can't. Um, I have two. And well, you, thinking you, about it. Yeah. Now, you just know, know that uh, as your children, I mean, they are the most precious thing you can have in, in, yeah. in your life. And. Um, to love them and be a good servant to them is the most important thing because, right. you know, at any point in time, you know, we don't we don't ever know what our creator's uh, um, mission is. Maybe Andrew's in a better place because he needs some. He needs you know my someone else might have needed him somewhere, you know, and mm-hmm. um, and he's not going through any more pain and suffering. So that that in itself is is a, a, a huge relief. You never ever want to see your children suffer. And, and, you know, to watch him go through his treatment and be as strong as he was through his treatment to not only be maybe in the 110 percentile, it's just it's the toughest, toughest thing you ever think is watch your child and know that they think this is their everyday life. They don't know any difference, you know, when they're getting chemotherapy and they're getting radiation seeds put in their brain. They think that this is everyone's going through this. So that that's a good thing for them is they don't really... They know that they're getting so much love and support from their family and that, well, this is maybe how life is going to be. And unfortunately, it's not how life should be. But the good news is he didn't really know any different. And and he battled it all the way to the end. And he passed away in his sleep, which, you know, is uh, probably the greatest blessing that as, as a family you could have. You don't have to watch your son or daughter being traumatized in some way that will affect you for the rest of your life. Sure. You know, to pass in between my wife and I at the time's um, while he was sleeping was was great it was just a mm. uh, a blessing in its own so um prior to that I, you know i think there's always um as an athlete you know you you go through sports and you go through i uh, i didn't think at the time that my own injuries brain injuries and tbis that i was going having or uh, had would affect me in any way because i was like okay well this is what I'm doing in my life now. I'm not very happy with it, but um, no one knows about it, you know. And you're, was this after? Yeah, this is no, this, this is bef- yeah after my career was done and before Andrew had passed. Mm-hmm. I was in, in doing things and involved in things that um, okay, no one knows about this, you know. And I'm I'm getting away with this and and uh, literally I know that the, the combine the culmination of of those early days to then my son passing and then getting to a really, really, really dark place. Prior to Andrew's passing, I was you know involved in some things that I was very, very sad about and, and, and things that I was felt that I'm getting away with. But mm-hmm. Who am I getting away with? It just... You are always going to hold on to that. And it's gonna, Absolutely. I, I've been there, Mark. I've been oh, there, I know. done some of the um, just most unspeakable things to my relationships, putting everything at risk, my family whether it was alcohol, whether it was another relationship, what, what I was looking for was, was some security and safety and feeling like not like how I was feeling. And instead of going to those that cared about me and loved me the most, I went outward 
I yeah. looked for chemicals. I looked for other people. I looked for any type of reassurance, yeah. except for those that <laughs> were in front of me. <laughs> I, with you, you know, I, I understand that. And I think the one thing that the, the thrill, that small, small bit of thrill and, yeah. and euphoria that you get from doing something that you know is wrong mm-hmm. and to the point where once it's what you're doing is over and said and done and you're like depressive state kicks in like oh my god what have i done what am i doing yeah. you know this isn't me this yeah. isn't who i it, thought it, i would it, be you it, know it's addiction you do it again yep. it's like yep. that small small bit of wow this is great to the crash mm-hmm. and the crash is what was so bad and the crash and then to think the crash that your whole family life and your whole family structure goes down your son passes you know, your son dies and now you don't have your wife. Now you don't, you know, your, your kids are going through their own, uh, you know, trauma of losing their brother, not having, you know, mom and dad together again. Oh, my goodness. I, I can't even tell you. I, I can't even tell you how, why I'm here, you know, how <laughs> I made it through that because my life got worse. Um, I try to pretend it was great. I try to pretend it was, of course. you know, uh, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm. That's part know, of the I'm, facade. I'm, yeah, the facade. Exactly. Yeah. And deep down inside, I was just crashing, crashing. A horrible place to be. Adrenaline, stress, cortisol, uh, worry. uh, Yeah, but then you get that uplifting of the the addiction. The next rush. The next rush. And then all of a sudden, the the, the crash and the depression. And like, I don't want to be here. I I don't know. You know, I need help. I got help. And the help that I got and the people that... um, that they got me there. I just are, are, are grateful for them and understand Good. that I, there's more I can do. And who helped you? What, when, when did it come to, I, obviously just like when I quit drinking, it was a, it was a low point. I thought I'm either going to be incarcerated because I've uh, hurt somebody or killed somebody. I'm going to be in an insane asylum um, or I'm going to, I'm going to die. And, and honestly the death thing, was the least of my worries. Insane oh, Asylum yeah. was my second. The yeah. first was me being in jail for the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And it's like death is like, oh wow, what a relief. Oh, I know. At that you know, point, at that point, like, it's like, yeah, wow, this is. Oh, I'd be so relieved. Uh, yeah, my second wife uh, at the time, we had a, we just ended our, our relationship, and mm. um, and I think the world of her and, and what she meant to to me during some very difficult times. There have been some other instances that her and I have had disagreements on, which, you know, I don't want to get into those are relationship things and, sure. and things that are probably when you look at it, I'm better off. She's better off, sure. you know, and, 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 and you move on, but she was an instrumental at, at understanding. She's a mental health therapist for one, you know, she worked with severely and emotionally disturbed children. So she gets, you know, all the, the criterion that athletes have that uh, addicts have and, and understands and, and reached and helped me, find individuals that I was asking for too. I was needing this, you know, at the 10 or so years ago and ended up finding through her and some people here I want to share with that are Please do. just yeah. absolutely um, rock stars when it comes to mm. helping others out. Before you say that, did you feel isolated? Absolutely. It, it, it'd be, we, I don't know, as common folk, I guess, those that haven't won a Super Bowl, furthermore been an MVP and everybody knows you and you're on a national stage, you think, oh, this guy's got resources out the yin yang. He'll be fine. Yep. Anything that he does, he'll he'll survive. Right. But then at the same time, I think that it could be even more isolating because of the fact that you're within the public eye and uh, you've got such a narrow scope to work with and you have access to so much more than than yeah. the average Joe that uh, you, it, it could perpetuate itself so easily to a dark, dark place, even more so than people that aren't as well known. I, I think uh, that's very accurate. Uh, not only isolation, to almost to a point of, whether it be family or friends, just shutting down. I'm, I'm by nature kind of an introvert. I can go to functions and be around people and be great. There comes a time where I, I need to shut down. I need to recharge yeah, those batteries. Yeah, I need to. I need I'm, they, some of the guys I was at played in the golf golf events with uh, all the celebrity golf events and um, pro ams and things like that and charity events. They, they called me vapor. 
you know, because I'd be there in this social setting around a fire, having a drink, you know, talking. And the good news is I wasn't an alcoholic that, uh, you know, someone that just needed a drink, yeah, you know, sure. but I had enough. And when I had enough, it would be like, Hey guys, I went, uh, you know, Rip's gone. They, they just think Rip went to the bathroom and I'd be gone. <laughs> I just go to my room, you know? Yep. Just, just kind of vapor, off. Yeah. <laughs> like vapor. He's gone, you know? So my nickname Once was here. vapor. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so by by nature, I'm I'm kind of an introvert, but yeah. a lot of people think I'm an extrovert because I'm I'm happy and lucky, and I'm really good around people, and for the most part, you know, and a lot of people. Um, but there's you know there's obviously a side to me that not a lot of people know. My my both my wives knew it, and that there's you know hey this guy's a little different. You know, you kind of look at you know where where this is leading you to, and where mm-hmm. it's where it's heading to, and yeah. it was. It's not. A, it wasn't a very good place. So not only did I become to the point where I wouldn't even see my family, you know, and mm. you know my wife. My wife always wanted to include me more in everything and my kids in everything that we did. And I was like, I don't need that. You know, I don't need to have my kids here. I don't need to have my see my brothers and my sisters. I don't need to go to the birthday party. I don't need to. So almost like a shut down. I've tried to clear up because, you know, my my wife wanted. To do more she was always wanting to do go to my mom see my brothers and them and getting us involved i needed to be more of a man say hey i don't want to do that i'm sorry that's just not me yeah. i don't need that much you know interaction but then it got to a point where it was so bad i wouldn't even go to anything oh. you know i just shut down just she wanted became, you to be more inclusive yep. she wanted to yep. perpetuate that feeling listen we're here we're supportive probably was obviously as you say it was the opposite of what you felt like you needed yeah, or but i needed it I needed to share that with her instead of yeah. saying, you know, no, I don't like, I don't like this person. And that's why I'm not going lying to myself. Why making an excuse for why I don't want to go versus just, Hey, I don't, I don't need that connection. I don't need that mm-hmm. at this time. Reality. I did. I did need that. I did need to get myself out there, but I you know, hadn't had these mm. individuals. Uh, and when you're, you know, an, an athlete like I was that a lot of people put you up on a pedestal sure. that even my closest family members, my brothers and, and sisters, and they don't know how to talk to Mark. You know, Mark is, and they would even say at times difficult. And I'm, I've gotten so much better and my relationships with my family have gotten so much better. And unfortunately not with my wife, but, but I think we're, you know, we're going to get to a place where we're, we're okay with, yeah. uh, uh, all these things, but, um, constant work. It is. People, it's constant there, work. There and is no yeah, cure, but they couldn't talk. You know, I would, mm. I'm not a guy that people talk that I'm a guy that they can talk to about the weather. Ancillary. And, yeah. BS. Yeah. Crap. <laughs> you know, when it comes to, Hey, how are you doing? My family doesn't do that. They're not very curious. So that was your experience as yeah. a child. Yeah. It was my experience. And, and plus yeah. don't act, oh, don't yeah. talk, don't feel dynamics that oh, we wow. have in a family. You know, yeah. um, my dad was the commander in chief. Children should be seen, yes. not heard. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And you're guilty before you're even proven innocent. So if a neighbor says uh, one of your kids did this, you're scolded and punished for, for not even doing anything. You know, yeah. it's just, you just kind of, you, you didn't, you didn't have a say. Right. My dad was great. He went to all our sporting events. He was a awesome, awesome dad. He, had, you know, had, had some of his own, we have our own, quirks. we have our own quirks, you know, and I've called my father out on this podcast numerous times and he's such a, he's, he's such a good sport about it. Cause he's like, I know, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and oh, you're such a better father than I ever was. But that's not the truth. He was a great father. Yeah. Just and, and my dad did. Things. Yeah. My dad, the shitty things. Yeah. My I've dad done shitty bro- things to my own sons to perpetuate and repeat the process i know i have yes my dad had a temper my younger brother or my middle brother tim has a temper my younger brother dave's great my sister shannon's great my older sister colleen she got sick when she was younger and it affected her brain and so she's yeah she's the greatest i mean she's a savant at certain things and and she's in a uh, rehab here at at st luke's and just a great great human being yeah local here great human being and my mom passed you know that was it was good for her to be around those people and she could function my dad died when he was 52 so mm-hmm. I was um, only like first year in a league. He never did get to see me play a, uh, a game. Um, so, but he's, you know, he, he was awesome. But I can remember sometimes my, my brother calling me at college, going, oh, or David, or, or and my mom, I think it was. Yeah, we were going to school today and we pulled up to the four-way stop sign. And we were there first and the guy came in on the left and he went through. My dad honked the horn and the guy 
gave him a gesture. My dad, instead of going to school, turned down. Him and, him and my brother got to the next stop sign, got out of the car, and started shaking the guy's car. <laughs> and they, like I say, they were like, um, take wow. care of matters first, ask questions later. No kidding. You know? And uh, so that's kind of, uh, but, but our family dynamic, again, was that don't act, don't talk, don't feel. Yeah. My brothers and sisters are great. I mean, great family. Uh, they have great families. Um, they are great, much better people. I think than I am, you know, and that's how you look at it, how they raise their kids. And, that's how we all look yeah, at it. Yeah, that's how you always I mean, look at it. And you kind of look through a different, different lens. Yep, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And um, so I'm just, I'm just proud of them and, mm. and uh, you know, what they've been able to accomplish. And it's not like life has been easy for them either. You know, they're all school teachers. And right now they're, you know, they're wondering what the heck's going to happen next. Uh, um, so, but uh, yeah, so it's, <laughs> it's interesting, you yeah, know, when you look back on it and, and think of, man, decisions you make and decisions that happen and, and not getting help and thinking, no, oh, I, I don't need help. That's a problem. That's the biggest problem. I'll oh, yeah. Help, you know, sure. I'm in denial, you know, of, of any wrongdoing, even though your spouses <laughs> are showing you, well, this is what you're doing here. My big thing was to say, I got it. Yep. I got it. She's yep. like, what the fuck are you doing? Exactly. And like, I got it. Don't worry. No, I don't got it. Yes. That's the last thing I got is yes. it. And I, I like, I think now I'm like, my brain got me into the shit show that I was in. How, what makes me think that my brain could have got me out of it? Exactly. It's insane. And yeah. we've seen, you got to will, we're going to will our way out of this. Yeah. No, <laughs> right. oh, I'm tomorrow. I'm going to be fine. Watch. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, uh, the, no, the that's web. not how it works. You know, if uh, if I could write a, a damn book, the <laughs> web that I spun was so incredible, and I got so tangled in it. And eventually, I mean, the, the spider came down and, and bit, bit my me. ass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it was lies uh, and deceit, and, oh, toast. and toast. you know, denial, um, denial. a yeah, lot of just, denial, or, yeah. or and uh, selfishness. I deserve this. I deserve the what I'm doing. Yeah. I know I, for for what? What the hell did I accomplish that makes me think that I deserved what I was doing? It's insanity. Yeah. Well, um, it is. It is. <laughs> and until you get help, is and until you realize, yeah, that this isn't this isn't normal life. This yeah, isn't the this script is not, that was meant yeah, for you. Exactly. Or it, it could be, and it could lead to a mm. total demise. And right and dragging down a bunch of really, really good people. Yes. And uh, it has already, you know, as we all know. And, and we, you know, we, we lose some relationships and some yeah. some people that uh, were there to help. And, Wake of destruction. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And hopefully w- that help comes at a time where you can repair or amend or make amends. And basically those that you've affected in your life don't have to agree accept with it. your amends yeah. or no, accept no, it. No. And, but it needs to be known that, listen, okay, now I'm writing my path. Who did you find? Well, I've, I found probably three of the top uh, people. One one is locally here, um, Bob Sammons, who went to Auburn University, North Carolina, and Harvard. Oh, nice. He uh, has a company called TMS Solutions, which is transcranial magnetic stimulation. Yeah, awesome. They they find the neur- neuronal pathway that isn't isn't firing in your brain. They do it through uh, tapping you. It's just pretty cool, pretty cool protocol that they go through, and they find out. Okay, well, this is the pathway that is not firing, that's not triggering. You do a 30, I think it was a 32-day program. I'm on the maintenance program now. But you do a 32-day every day for about 45 minutes a day where they're, it's like, it's it feels like it's a woodpecker pecking at your brain, and but it's not. It's just. It's an electrode. Yeah, yeah, transcranial magnetic stimulation, you know, that's just, you know, kind of like you're in the, getting your knee looked at in the, what do you call those things? At the oh, the reflex. Uh, no, you go under the. Oh, the MRI. MRI. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, kind of like that. But so then you go through that, and then it has really resonated with a lot of people. So some people it hasn't. It helped me out a lot. It kind of really gave me an understanding of okay, well, this is an area where they're they're trying to fire. And they're trying to get that neuronal pathway going again that is probably has a lot to do with your depression, has a lot to do with uh, uh, the triggers that you might have. And, and, and we're going to try to find a way that's going to help you. And for me, it worked really good. Other people, it takes maybe only four or five of these days and they're already feeling it. Well, after 32 days, I felt very, very good. And, and I'm kind of now on a maintenance program and Dr. Salmons and 
has helped a lot of people here in the, locally. He's uh, out of Colorado, and, and they've got two or three um, uh, of these machines here in, in, in the town here. Do you it's have side effects? TMS Solutions. No, TMS, no TMS side TMS Solutions. Okay. TMS Solutions is the name of the, uh, the group here in town. They've done wonderful. And with my wife, we also, through a friend, good friend of ours, Mike and Jamie Hanna, wonderful people. Their daughter, um, Heidi Hanna, is a world-renowned speaker about mental health and actually spoke to the NFL. And I don't know Heidi's book, but um, anyways, they recommended to myself to go see Dr. Uh, Daniel Amen from Amen Clinics, which is, there's like six of them across the United States. And basically they take a blood scan of your brain and they find through the scan, put your scan up to a normal brain and they put others, they showed like uh, the Heisman Trophy winner now, Anthony Davis. Oh, yeah. Yep his scan to a normal scan and it is absolutely diabolical about oh my gosh. the blood supply that's not going in certain areas and triggering certain things from that they look at it they give you you know certain supplemental things that, that can help and for me one of the things that they wanted to do was see about i'm, I'm not again much into the narcotics because that's that's what andrew marr would tell you in his ted talks is a throw all these narcotics at you and mm. say, you've got this problem, you got this problem, you got this problem, you got this problem. You have a bag of narcotics and you're going, this is none of this is helping. They're just <laughs> making me worse, you know? Right. So Dr. Amen also has a good confidant, Mark Gordon. And Mark Gordon is a hormonal therapist. Basically what you do is they take a very extrinsic blood sample, blood test to find out what you're deficient of. And this was so, so instrumental. And I haven't been, I haven't been able to do this yet with Dr. Gordon, but that's the next step that I'm going to go to. Right. Is so influential to, to Andrew Marr. It changed his life. He threw away his bag of pills. Wow. Got the, found out what he was deficient of, the horm, the, the, uh, in these blood tests, took these natural supplements and changed his life completely. Unbelievable. Yep. And um, so the, the three individuals here, as I try to share with you, Evan, and anyone out there, if you're lost and you don't know where to go, mm. check into TMS, transcranial magnetic stimulation, check into hormonal therapy, check into Dr. Daniel Amen and uh, his brain, his brain MD and, and the supplements that he has. There's also great, great studies out there, especially for our military men and women of hyperbaric chambers i've heard this that's just in in incredible that once you get in and get out you feel like a different person another person yeah and and that's so important to know first of all that there are so many resources out there so one resource um like andrew marr will lead to two more and those two resources may lead to five more and then we look at dr gordon and Dr. Amen. And then all of a sudden when you feel so insular and, and you don't you feel like there's no options for you or no cure, no one else feels like this. Oh, I've got it worse than everybody else. Yep. You start connecting with these people and reading books or listening to podcasts or getting an audible. Yeah, or getting or getting in, in a in a in a network of, of, of the same types of people that yes. have gone through the same Right. I mean, you, if you just like Andrew's ta telling me about, he says, you know, I go and talk to these um, veterans, you know, and about their struggles. I resonate with every one of them. They every resonate. Time. They all sit there and they, now they've got a network of group that, oh, that can talk to each other, right. you know, and share their stories with each other, not feeling that they're isolated and alone. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's one of the things that we all think we're just, there's no, no way I'm isolated and I've, I'm the only one that <laughs> pull there's, there's, <laughs> There's a lot of people that are going through mental mental health issues and mental illness and that need the, the type of support that all of us can get. Now, yeah. TMS is a little different. TMS mm -hmm. basically is a last-ditched, it's not covered by health insurance, but it is. Oh. It's a last-ditched effort after you've taken the narcotics and all the stuff that Crazy they, stuff, yeah, yeah, the, 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 that they just yeah, want to. Antidepressants. Yeah, 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 and yeah. antidepressants and, and that. Very um, low, low success rate, mm -hmm. as we heard from a prior podcast I had with Dr. Brian Campbell, a, exactly. a neuropsychologist, and he was like, that's just not working. Like, we need to look at other places. And so he's he's very well-versed in TMS, uh, ketamine, and psilocybin. and Ketamine, yes, absolutely. Have you, have you tried the ketamine? Um, no, but uh, ketamine was, was used by many that is... 
been very successful. Yeah. The podcast that uh, Dr. Gordon, Rogan, Andrew Marr had, it's right. incredible. Just talks literally about what Dr. Gordon has done for Andrew, what is Andrew has appreciated, and what he's sharing with other veterans awesome. um, about the hormonal treatment and being able to change your direction, you know, right. and be able to get people on the right type of, of supplements. And again, all these are supplements. They're not, they're not narcotics. Right. You know, they're not antidepressants. From what Andrews has, has stated, or his, his TED Talks and his podcast, is that his bag of pills are, are gone. Yeah. His vision and his seven children, <laughs> he was there for his kids. He got this hormonal therapy, and wow. you could see pictures, and it's beautiful. We wow. also did a, um, we did a documentary I did with Andrew Marr and seven other civilians called Quiet Explosions. It's riveting. Uh, it really is. Okay. It talks about the firefighter from 9-11, a um, world-class surfer, um, myself, Andrew Marr, a Naval Academy cadet, unfortunately raped and swept under the rug and all the tra trauma that she went through and the help that she got to get her life back on track. It's, it's, it's pretty riveting. It's all these stories and documentaries, and it talks about the dark side that people have gone to and, and how they got, how they, and again, it's uplifting because it talks about the bad stuff, but it also talks about the, the help that they've been getting. And it's um, the only way I, I don't see any other way to get through. Like I look at myself, my, my past self at my darkest times. I'm not sure what would have penetrated my misery and my bleakness and thinking, I don't want to die, but this is going to be my life for the re for forever, and I'm going to be miserable, and I'm just going to be a jerk, and I and I'm just going to have to live this way, I guess, yeah. and real indignant, and I I just the why it's so important you're here, and why my my prior guests have shared some real intimate deep stories is because it's the only way to get through to people is that relatability and understanding, and then and then a light bulb ticks off. It could be anything. Um, and regardless of where, what you've done in your life, good, bad, or indifferent, someone anywhere uh, can relate to at least a little piece. And if we can grab that and that, and that would perpetuate maybe some action in them getting on the internet and researching, and then that's going to perpetuate more action and, and, and hopefully they'll come to the point where they can reach out and actually be conversing with someone about that actual problem. And then make a real change. And change is hard. Yeah. Fucking sucks, man. <laughs> I, I was well, I, I, blood, yeah. sweat, tears in a therapist office uh, ready to throw up. Uh, all my dirty truths were coming out into the air. And it was, it was hard. It was miserable. I know why people say the hell with it. I want to go back to that old lifestyle. I know it was bad, but this really is tough. The thing is, is if you just hold on and you have those people and I was lucky enough and so were you to have people say, no, 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 that's, that's part of the program. Like, yeah, you're no different. Like this is just as hard, but I promise at the other end, there's, there's, there's a, a light at the tunnel, wonderful yeah. light at the tunnel. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it, here's the thing is it is a silent majority and there's a lot of silent majority out there that are wondering, well, what do I do? What can I do? But for yourself, myself and others to come and share these, you know, these stories and, and people to resonate with these and say, yeah, hmm. okay, I don't have to be silent. I, I can, I can get help and I'm going to come out and I'm going to be a voice and I'm going to share my voice and I'm going to share what I've gone through because only, only in sharing and trying to help, are we ever going to be able to overcome yeah. these, uh, massive load off, off our shoulders. Yeah. It yeah. does, you, you do get a sense when you, when you are sharing and, and your message is being heard and your voice is being heard and others come to you. And even through the, the interview I did with Stephanie Vigil. Yeah, and, 2018. Yeah, yeah and um, the Quiet Explosions mm. uh, documentary that, that they had. I get people come up and say, thank you. Thank you. You know, I watch this because I, I, I don't know if I want to wake up tomorrow. Wow. It brings tears to your eyes, you know, that... Um, that now they feel there's hope, you know. Initially, when you put yourself out there and you're at your most vulnerable when you're sharing these yeah. stories, you think, I'm about to throw everything that I've built out yeah. the window, right? Yeah. But then the exact 
opposite, opposite happens. happens. <laughs> yep. The more you share, the more positivity comes back to you. The more people appreciate what you're doing. Well, I'm, I, you know, the positivity is, is, um, coming back to me is being able just to, to hear somebody say, God, I just thank you. And, and to hear somebody that, you know, we all look up to thinking your life is the greatest ever to find out that you have just as many problems, if not more than what I have. Um, that, that just is to me, gives me hope. And, uh, you know, hope is such a great word. We use that in our foundation when, you know, we had the Ripon foundation going that, Hope is a magical word, you know, and it gives people that opportunity to, to say, hey, it could be the worst time of your life, but there's hope that, you know, we're going to come out the other end. And um, that's pretty, pretty powerful. Wonderful, Mark. And then we got the, also now it's great, we got, we merged the Ripon Foundation did with the Community Cancer Fund. So now we got both ends of the spectrum. We got the Community Cancer Fund helping not only adults, but also, uh, you know, pediatrics and we were specifically pediatrics and we were kind of killing two birds with one stone especially in Spokane we're you know we're a very small intimate community and when you're trying to get as much money as you can and you're doing one event and another one's doing one event you know right. merge no, and try competing. to get more oh, yep yeah, you're competing against sense. the same dollar so um Jared Kiefer uh, is the uh, executive executive director of the community cancer fund and that was the old coaches versus cancer, how they got it started with Mark View and all that. And Mark and, and uh, Marcy are just wonderful people. Oh Spokane mm-hmm. is just such a wonderful community. You know, you look at the lucky the, the major players, you know, like Washington Trust, Kalispell uh, uh, Tribe of Indians, Northern Quest, um, Bowton Construction, Garco, people that just are awesome. You know, Irv Zakheim from Zach Designs, my buddy John Hemmingson, just a great great philanthropic guy here not only in education at gonzaga university with the hemmingson center but also um, for all the charities that he supports you know and um and the, and the wonderful people you meet the thomas patricia power with sunshine minting you know and um i think it takes a community like this it has to yeah i i don't know if it, if we would have a voice like we do if we were in another city i think it would be overshadowed in a lot of ways but my goal and and what i love about my podcast is i don't have to go to Los Angeles have a studio <laughs> there to do it. Yes. <laughs> we have fly in guests. We, yeah. uh, it can be heard anywhere because I want to stay here. I love, I love this town. It's exactly. so great. It is. And let's, let's put it even more on the map than it already is yep. and, and really highlight some of the positivity, which is what you are doing. You're so embedded in the community. Yeah. It's a whirlwind of people that know people that have, have leverage influence influence. And, yep. Uh, we got the Mark Fuse. We got the, you know, the, the Mark. Uh, Jack Heese, the yeah, Zerv yeah. Zachimes, John Hemmingson's, um, you know, Tim Welsh's, uh, uh, the Boughton family. I mean, you got it's just, just. And they love this community oh, too. Oh, gosh. This is their community, you know. It um, is their community. Yeah. <laughs> really. This is our community. I'm a transplant. I, yeah, I moved yeah, here but, yeah, 12 years ago. Yeah, this is now but, your community. Th- you know? Thank you. I, I, I'm trying to fit in. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> well, you're doing well and you're doing 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 a, a great service to so many that um, able to help yourself and help others Honestly, and yeah. you have to be vulnerable you can't sit back and uh, i never like being on the bench anyway i like get out <laughs> getting in the game you know and, if it takes being honest and open and having a lot yep. of candor about your experience hey then yeah you're gonna play yeah yeah i mean i I'm being as open as I I can. I could sure. I could share the gore and, and the, yeah. the dark darkest of dark sides and the craziness. It. But you know, I mean, it's you know, it's a tough thing to be there, and it's yeah. really good to be not be there anymore <laughs> and be out the start out the other end. And there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and there's a lot of people that now get and understand through the Quiet Explosions documentary through that understand. Wow, you know, I didn't know that. I, I didn't know that you always, you always like yourself and, and everyone else. You always seem so upbeat and right. smile on your face and everything. Well, yeah, that's, oh, that's the facade. Yes. <laughs> and then deep down there's, there's, there's battles going in. So there's voices and, yeah. and there's an argument going on and, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. and we're not, and we're not alone and, and yep. neither are you for sure. Yep. This has been phenomenal. Would you, anything you'd like to share about the Andrew Rupin Foundation? Anything? No, no, and um, it's right now. It's it's all all we're all 
all inclusive okay. with the Community Cancer Fund. Okay. The, uh, it is know, through the Community yep, Cancer Fund. All the Community okay. Cancer Fund is now encompasses the pediatric right. side of it and the adult side of it. They've had, uh, you know, Jared's had some, <laughs> she's had Adam Levine play out at uh, Ryan Gee and Fritz Wolf's house. Yes, I heard on, on the lake, and it's just been phenomenal. I mean, the nice thing about that is they were able to ex- extract dollars from other areas outside of Spokane because our Spokane community is so good, but the right. amount of dollars and hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars are getting from, you know, big companies out of that are, members at Gaza Ranch that are sure. from LA it's supporting this area because they're living here they're playing golf out there and they're supporting a mm-hmm. community here and they're also given their the roots here but we don't always have to hit up the Washington Trust the Northern right. Quest and because they're they're just giving to so many great causes in Spokane you know so this helps uh, helps relieve a little bit of that right. and still allows us to raise a lot of money and have some fun while we're doing it this year's kind of sucks yeah. we're yeah. We are we are looking we are looking stretch, to get um, to have an event for Community Cancer Fund, and I think it's going to be the end of September. It's to be a, a one day, one night. Uh, we're, we're crossing our fingers at uh, Northern Quest Calspell Tribe Indians Northern Quest Casino mm-hmm. in their arena. There, Cole Swindell has, has agreed, good friend of mine, cool. and so he's going to come over here and play some golf. We're going to get him out to some of the nicer places. He loves golf. Yes. Uh, I love his music. And he's going to hopefully do a show uh, Friday night or Saturday night at uh, Fantastic. Northern Quest. So, Which is really, for those listeners that are far from Spokane, Northern Quest is about 15 minutes from our airport. So you fly into Spokane International and you take an Uber and you're there within within minutes. Yes. <laughs> and really they easy. are probably philanthropically one of the top givers to all the charities here oh, in Spokane. Just phenomenal. Phil Haugen and, and all those guys at, at Northern Quest are just wonderful, wonderful yeah, people. They're really very fortunate. Great. Yeah. I can't thank you enough, Mark. Thank Evan, you so much. thank you. I appreciate it. Right. It's great yeah, to meet yeah, you. It was great to meet you, too, and right. your lovely cast here. Thank you. <laughs> it's my support crew. Yes. My right-hand man over here. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, thank you. I was looking for some company. Again, a very special thanks to, to Mark for his candor and, and honesty. The things he has endured, some, some brought upon himself for sure, were not easy to work through, and neither is reliving it in an interview. But that's the secret to success and healing no matter the situation or offense. Regardless if we as humans are at fault for what happens to us, we are still and always will be responsible for how we react. So moving forward, this is the most responsible and honorable way Mark can heal while still being affected by an illness, physical or mental. Check out the description of this episode for all the content we covered, including links and references to everything mentioned. I want to, uh, again, mention to check out Andrew Marr and others in the documentary, Quiet Explosions. It is truly incredible. Remember, share this with anyone and all, and if you're so inclined, rate it. Thank you again to the movement for the rights to rescue the music you hear playing in every YRF podcast. Thanks, everybody. 